yesterday, for the first time in uh, as long as I can remember, I fell asleep in a hammock outside in the middle of the afternoon. Huh. It is like totally out of my character to be still long enough. To That's the funniest like that. thing. You bring that up a couple of days ago. There was a guy in my yard, like looking at, to do the strain thing. And he goes, wow, that's a beautiful hammock. You must really have fun in that. I go, you know what? I, I don't think I've laid in that hammock in four years. He said, really? <laughs> I said, nope. Because <laughs> the minute friends come, the first thing they do is lay in the hammock. I fell getting out of it about three or four years ago and I never laid in it again. Hmm. But that's not the yeah, reason. I, um, the reason is just because I'm just always running by it, never stopping at it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I hung this one up underneath the uh, treehouse for the kids to kind of lay in and play in and stuff. And I've sat in it with them a couple of times. But I, I just don't, you know, I fill up my free time with stuff. So, like, if the kids are around, we play on the weekends. And if they're not, then I'll do a project on the house or whatever. And yesterday, they were all playing with friends. We were home for the afternoon, and I just kind of, didn't have anything pressing to do. And I thought, you know, I have all these project ideas that are only 5% of an idea. They're like, you know, hey, I should make a blank. And that's as far as I ever get with it. I never actually sit down to think through, like, how would I do it? What would I make it out of? What, what would make it unique? All those things that you have to do. And so we're always in the office and the guys will bring up like, hey, you should do the that thing you were talking about. I'm like, yeah, but I got to design it. So anyway, yesterday I was like, I'm going to sit in the hammock and design. And I'm just going to sit there and come up with ideas for how to do these things that I've already written on the list. And it was really cool. And I did that for like 30 minutes and then I fell asleep. Which <laughs> <laughs> is totally weird for me, but it was really nice. I'm glad that I did that. Right on. I drove home from uh, Ontario. I was in uh, Westport, Ontario in Canada. So I drove to Canada Friday. Friday, yeah, Friday morning, I drove to Canada. I got up there at about four o'clock to my destination. I went up to the Bear Mountain Boats had held what they call Make a Rendezvous. This is the first, maybe the first annual. It was, it was really fun. I met a lot of cool people, made a lot of new friends, and we really didn't know what to expect. It's a small little town, and Joan wanted to put this on just to celebrate her friends that make stuff, and she invited me. And they had a little tent. They did. It was very it, for like a very small production. It was done very well like on a shoestring budget. I think everybody actually paid to be there. It was done really well. That was really cute and uh, very, very, very much more, many more people than I expected. And I think many more people than Joan expected. They had a tent and there was uh, lectures going on in the tent. I talked in the morning. I talked in the afternoon. <clears throat> and it was uh, kind of boat builder centric. It was all about uh, basically the canoes. And it's funny being in Canada. Do you guys ever, you guys ever travel to Canada? I have never been to Canada. Oh, wow. Because everybody in Canada, like, you get a canoe is like a rite of passage. And for the most part, like, where every, I wish I had the wherewithal to remember. If we do this next year, I'm certainly going to bring my canoe on the roof of my car. Everybody brought their canoe out on the roof of their car just to show it off. And some people took them off and put them in the grass. It was, huh. it was really great. And I got inspired to build another boat. I'm going to build, like, a little rowboat that the, that the Bear Mountain Company actually sells the plans to. So I'm going to make it based on their plans. I think I might start this this winter. I'm actually really excited to try it because it was a really beautiful shape and it, it really it really uh, grabbed me. So um, I got inspired to make a new boat and looked at some new canoe building techniques. I brought a printing press with me and I printed a bunch of postcards and gave out postcards. It was a really great weekend. And I thought it was going to be two days. And then at the end of Saturday, they said to pack it up. And I said, well, it's not going to be two days ago. Oh, you didn't read the email? I said, I guess not. I never read any emails. And uh, so everybody was packing up. And the next morning, everybody went on a little boat ride. I hung out, videotaped everybody going out to the uh, into the inlet. And then I came home. I was home last night doing machining on my new ice pick concept. And uh, yeah, it was a really compacted, very fun weekend. So that's what I did over the weekend. Good. I can't even remember what I did last week. I, I can't even like think for one I second. Can't either. I have no idea what I did like the, the day before I drove away. Oh, I know what I did. I'm making a set of end tables that we're going to sell. It's a, it's a fundraiser for Boys Town. If anybody remembers Josh Temple from from HGTV and DIY, he did a show called House Crashers where he'd meet people in the aisle. And it's funny. I, you guys remember years ago I said on this show, you know, I hate those shows where the guy meets you in the aisle and. And says, hey, you want to be your backyard retired? 
I was picturing Josh when I said that. And then when I met him again after 10 years, he said, dude, I got to call you out on something. Somebody sent him oh. that. <laughs> Somebody sent him that. We had a big laugh about it. Anyway, I just remembered that he called me out on that when we became friends again. And I he, totally forgot that that was him. Like, yeah. I remember that show yeah. and I remember him, but I didn't put those together because I used to watch that all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Well, there were a few shows doing that at the time. So I wasn't really making fun of him or calling him out, but just the idea of TV being kind of absurd. Anyway, Josh is a great guy and we reconnected and, and I really, really enjoy hanging out with him. He's super fun, dude. Like off, I, I never really watched the show because I never had cable, but I knew I met him while he was making it. So I, I we became friends on, on the set of another show. Anyway, we, we reconnected this summer and he's doing a big fundraiser for Boys Town out in Nebraska. They, they take care of wayward kids and teach them in a vocation and get them back on their feet. Young kids just starting out anywhere from like 13 to like 18. And we're doing a fundraiser. So 10 makers are making stuff. So I started my, my end tables, which we'll auction off at the end of September. So I'm going to work on that today. I, st- I did that with Brett the day before I left. I'm going to work on it today. And then today, tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., I get on a plane. I go to, I'm going to learn how to use a grinder from 3M. So I'm going to grinding school in Minnesota for two days. It's going to be good. So <laughs> I get to learn how to use a grinder. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you, what don't you know about using a grinder? Well, it's, this is the, well, I guess you don't know what you don't know. But. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, they, they, they have all types of new technology and I, they, I don't have a contract with them at the moment, but they offered to take me in and train me and, you know, on their ambassadorship for their grinding abrasives. And this is kind of, I, I, my agent's like, they just want to pay you way to teach you. But right now we don't have a contract. What do you think? I was like, you know what? I'll keep an open mind. Let's do it and see where it goes. I used to work for 3M years ago for the, uh, for tape and, and, and shop safety stuff. And, uh, that kind of went away when my guy there retired. And so now here's somebody who's interested, somebody else somewhere in 3M is interested in what I'm doing. So they said, come, we'll teach you all about our abrasives and maybe we can work out a situation. So that's what's happening. So I'll be in Minnesota for like probably 24 hours, completely jam-packed full of things to do by 3M. Grinding. Grinding. <laughs> jam-packed full of grinding. Jam-packed. Yeah, I'm going to have to... They're going to give me a pop quiz, so i got to really study up. <laughs> what happens if you fail? Uh, they send me home. <laughs> yeah. Well, David, what about you? I got to live out one of my childhood dreams over the weekend. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, super strange coincidence. The previous week on the on here, on this podcast, I said I went to a sprint car race for the first time in 20 years and had a great time. I want to somehow weasel my way onto a pit crew. I said that on the podcast. My buddy Brian, who races sprint cars, who doesn't listen to this podcast, sent me a text out of the blue saying, hey, I want to race on Saturday, but my crew cannot make it. Any chance you can help. All you have to do is air pressure and push me on the four-wheeler. And I was like, oh my gosh, awesome. yes, I've never driven a four-wheeler, but I'm a quick learner. And uh, so I, I, I get there on Saturday, like, you know, driving the four-wheeler was a breeze. It was, you know, there was no, um, there's no gear shifting or at all. At all. So uh, I got to, I got to put in fuel. I changed some tires. I asked a crap ton of questions, uh, changing air pressure and just being, getting my hands dirty and, and being involved. It was, it was so, it was so cool. It was a great learning experience. And the, the, one of the reasons the four wheeler is necessary is there is no transmission in a sprint car. So it has to be pushed up into a staging area with the four wheeler. And from there it's push started with like a, a Jeep or a, a truck. It, it kind of pops into gear and it starts and goes, there's no, there's no gear shifting in a sprint car. And, I knew that there was like, I knew about some setup with a sprint car because it has a big wing on there and there's different tire sizes and tire compounds and, and things. But I didn't know there, there was so much setup involved. You can, you can change the staggered of the car. So the car tilts to the left because the right rear tire is way bigger than the smaller rear tire. And 
Um, you can, there's, depending on track conditions, you change the pressure of the air tire. You can change the, I think it's called the offset of the tires. You can put spacers on the axle to move the tires in and out, which changes how the car handles. There's different wing angles to give different um, downforce pressure on there, which technically isn't downforce, but it's more of a drag. And just shocks, different shocks that you can put on there. And so as track, you you have hot laps, so you can kind of get a feel for the track, get the engine warmed up. Then you have your heat races, and the, the smaller races, so you qualify to get to the feature. If you don't qualify to get to the feature through the heat races, you go through a B main. It's kind of like your last chance to get to the feature. Um, and so we made it to the Dave, feature. Yeah. Are you going to be piloting a car? Ah, well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I, I will. I will never have enough money to buy a sprint car trail. Like the whole thing is like it's it's. You know, big to do. No, that attitude you won't. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> you, that is the wrong attitude. But we're talking like, you know, the the, the engines are a big four ten block engine, and it's a nine hundred horsepower mm-hmm. engine. So the engine can be like twelve, fifteen thousand dollars right there. You need a trailer, which could be like sixty thousand dollars, and the, like, like the whole thing is going to be like you, you need like two hundred thousand dollars just to get started in this. And for many people, it's just a hobby, and some people it, it's an actual career. So I came home like all excited. I'm telling Kelly like, oh, it was so crazy. It was amazing. And I found three different sprint car driving schools that I want to do now. And I was telling Kelly like, I want to go to like a two day driving school course. Do it. And and Kelly was just like, "Um, okay. (laughs) That sounds crazy. (laughs) Um, But but I like the idea of going to a driving school and actually learning how to do the setup and then you then you run laps on this on this course by yourself and you can actually understand it'll help you understand like when you change this this affects how the car slides into the turn or whatever and and so i'm oh, right i really will i'm i'm excited to do this now so that might be a, a um it's kind of an expensive little getaway because um it might be a couple thousand dollars for like a two-day thing but it's like a one-on-one and then there's flight and all that but i think it would be so worth it and it would be just like a a lifetime thrill that i want to do so bad that's a gate it's a gateway drug to para uh, parachuting what do you call it (laughs) yeah from one dangerous act to another it is a that is a lot of money like to put into a thing but that's an investment in something that obviously has you really excited yeah you know yeah it's an investment into your entertainment i would do it in a minute that's why we work that's why we do what we do everybody every human in the world that's what we do it for survival and enjoyment right to be able to do the things that we want and have the life we want and yeah that's awesome yeah spend that money do that thing. <laughs> I'm, do it. I'm going to all right so, oh, hold on i'm starting a go find me for <laughs> Please don't, me, Dave. Sprint car engine block. So, a few years ago, I had I had water issues at the old house, and somebody started to go find me to help fix that because it was like a many thousand dollar deal to fix. And I still feel guilty about that GoFundMe, and other people paid for my house problems. I yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't want well, to start a GoFundMe. For you guys this. heard it. He needs to go fund me for an engine block. <laughs> That's right. That was a veiled way to ask for a, a sixty thousand dollar trailer. I'm sure. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool, man. That's, That's great. That's awesome that you got to do that and that you're excited about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did do a little bit of Instagram storying. So by the time this airs, that won't be up anymore. But I, I figured, like, if I do do the driving school, maybe over the winter or in the spring. Uh, I'll see, you know, if I can film that and I'll, I'll try to contact them ahead of time. Like, Hey, can I mount some GoPros on there? Cause I'm a YouTuber, you know? Well, you know, that, that reminds me, uh, I should bring it up again. Just, uh, the racetrack that I have down the street, I was thinking about kind of kicking off a weekend in April where we all get together. Well, I'll announce it at one point officially and then open it up to everybody that wants to make a go-kart. Ooh. And we'll bring a go-kart. Or you bring the go-kart for one weekend sometime. I'm thinking April is just when the weather breaks, April, April, May. And we do time trials on the go-kart track. It's not the best. I would Once I announce it, let's have pictures. It's not the best go-kart track. It's a little ratty. I mean, we would fix it up the best we can, but Perfect. it's not super large. But we would do maybe you could do two cars at once. So we could do time trials and then the fastest cars, then pairs. Yeah. We could do oh, like yeah. a, you know, we could do a bracket and 
two cars at a time and see. I think it would be really fun if everybody who wanted to be involved would do a video on building their go-kart, whether from parts online or whether from scratch. You know, everything's in everything's welcomed as long as it fits within. I was just going to do like a wheel width and base. As long as you fit in that, you could come with a car engine. As long as you can handle oh, it around the track, <laughs> you could put a car engine on it. That's all. You know, just was, to see the creativity, creativity and like Big Daddy Roth ones and electric ones. And that's I really think I want to do that. About a year ago, do you remember when I made that trophy? It was in, um, I, yeah. I work with my cousin oh, yeah. who runs a go-kart. He has a go-kart track in his backyard and he has like one or two big events every year. I mean, it sounds like a backyard operation, but when 60 people show up with go-karts, it's a pretty big deal. And so, and I watched that, I'm like, man, I want a go-kart. I could, I, w- I want to do this. And so maybe if you do that thing, I will actually build a go-kart. I can make a video out of that. And then, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, if yeah. there's 25 people involved, everybody would make a video. There'd be a little uptick in, in go-kart videos. And also yeah. we could make a wacky trophy and try and keep me from destroying the go-kart track and putting a building on it. I'd have to save it. <laughs> the spring go-kart trials in East Durham. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be a good reason to do it. Um, that, this is kind of not related, but kind of related in my head. So talking about those events, like you went to the maker rendezvous thing. Um, I heard a rumor and I have not confirmed this at all that maker central might happen again, but this time be in London (gasps) and that would be probably in May. So if anybody has any information about that, Nick, if you're listening, let me know because I have some other things I would like to do on that side of the world. And if I could plan for that whole thing to happen at the same time, that would be really cool. That's one thing. The other thing is I finally heard about, I finally heard about, um, maker fair in Louisville. Yes. Oh, so good. You I'm, spoke to Katie. This is, this is September 20. Yeah. September 28th and 29th. Yeah. Um, in Louisville, I am definitely going to be there Me on too. Sunday. Probably not on Saturday because mm-hmm. I have family stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, they've got us on the main stage, me and my whole team. Forby's coming up, so the four of us will be there. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a thing on stage. Jimmy, you're going to be there. I'll right? be there, and you and I are supposed to do a thing. Yeah, so we'll do that on Sunday as well, I'm sure. Yeah, David, you're not coming. Is that correct? That is correct. I was going to, but then I'm traveling a couple days later, and that's a long time to be away from my wiener dogs. So. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I know. That's why Taylor and I now travel separately, because every time we do something, like I got the dogs and she's got the dogs, it's hard to travel with three dogs these days. That's why I went to Canada alone. Yeah, so just wanted to update on those events, because people are asking, sending emails, asking me about Louisville Maker Faire, whether they should go, if we're all going to be there, whatever. So that's the current situation. Well, Jimmy and I, Jimmy, you're going to be there all weekend, right? Yeah, I'm going to come Saturday in the morning, so that's... We haven't bought a ticket yet, but that's what I told them I'd be available for. I'm shooting with Bradley Owen three days, the three days up to that. So that's why I was sketched about it because I didn't know what was going to happen. But me and Brad are going to shoot something pretty funny. I think it's going to be it's going to be cool. So me and Brad from Bon Appetit are shooting a little thing. It's, it's shaping up to be super, something funny. I hope we'll see. He's a funny dude. Cool. He always I'm makes excited me laugh about when that. I watch this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be excited. He's super. Every, he's just like, he sends me like the nicest. Of, he's like, dude, I'm so jazzed for this. Like he'll send me a message out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> you can tell he's just like thinking outside his head. It's, he's really cute. Yeah. That's cool. He seems really cool. I'd like to get to know him at some point. But yeah, I can't wait to see what you Yeah, what I'm, you pull, I'm pulling him into cool. the family. So he's, he's he likes what we nice. do. And he likes to make the community. So I'm going to try and get him connected. Awesome. Um, let's see. I haven't talked about what I did. Because I don't really know what I did. Oh, last week I talked about the forge, that I made a forge, right? Yeah. Did I mention that? Yeah, I think I mentioned that. So that's coming out this week. And I think since last time we talked about it, I sent Alex Steele a message saying like, hey, look, I finally made a forge. It's like a little baby forge compared to yours, but I, you know, I did it. And he was like, how hot does it get? And I said, well, I don't really have a way to measure how hot it gets. And he said, well, measure by the color of the steel. So... I heated up a piece of metal, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it gets, I don't know, red. And he's like, oh, that's not going to be hot enough. It needs to get yellow. So I'm, I'm beginning my my journey of learning these things. And then I started, as soon as he said that, he sent me a little picture of the color, and he was like, it needs to get to this. That's forging heat. And so then I started watching, um, I saw, I watched some of Brett's videos, and I was like, and he's got, 
at some point he was using a coal forge, I guess. He uses a coal. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, no, coal forge. Yeah. That's it. So I was looking at that and then starting to look at the metal, which, you know, before I never really looked at the color of the metal when it was coming out of the forge. So now I'm watching all these blacksmithing videos looking at a different thing, which is kind of interesting because you can watch the same stuff. See and then things, I'm realizing, like, oh, I don't know, you even know what the difference in all these hammers are. So now I'm starting to watch all these videos again for what hammer they're using to get these different things. And so I'm starting to fall down this rabbit hole. So I realized that my forge is not hot enough. <clears throat> and I started doing some research over the weekend about or last week about, you know, why is it not hot enough? What What is the thing? <clears throat> Basically, it came down to I tried to make my own nozzle because I didn't have another option. Tried to drill the smallest hole I could drill with the drill bits that I had in a cap and make a nozzle. Well, in looking at it, that hole was basically twice as big as it should have been. And so I was, that put way more, let me see if I can remember this. It put way more propane into the mixture at a lower velocity because the hole was bigger. And so the air to mixture, air to fuel mixture was wrong, which means it's not burning as efficiently as it could. So basically I just took the same cap that I already had drilled a hole in. I drilled a bigger hole in it, threaded it, and then put in a MIG tip. Oh, yeah. So I took a, a tip from a MIG welder, a .025, and just screwed it in there because that's what a lot of people do. And I'd seen that. I just didn't. I thought I was being, I was taking a shortcut. <clears throat> and so I put this thing in there, mounted the whole thing back. So this is like 10 minutes of work, right? This is nothing. This is drilling a hole, tapping it, screwing in a tip. Put it in there, turn it on. It immediately sounds better. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds like a oh, like a rock. Yeah, it has this like ooh sound to it. The flame's way more blue. Um, it's obviously using less fuel because the hole's smaller. So that's kind of good too. And I stick a piece of steel in there and it gets to that same red that I had before in seconds instead of minutes. And then it gets maybe not like as yellow as I think it should be, but way closer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a bright orange. You, you could know? also so put got it to that fire point. bricks in there and, and contain the space. If you like contain this, like, even though you might have like a, a volume of say one cubic foot in there, put some fire bricks in there because <clears> that heat will they stay closer to your metal. Right. So the whole thing is built out of fire bricks, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Like I can build it in yeah. those walls a little bit. Yeah. So I used all the ones I had to make the thing. So I'll have to get another set of them. Yeah. To cut down on the volume, <clears throat> but, and you know, I got it up to, I think it's max temperature, you know, as far as it's going to go and pulled it out and started banging on it. And it, it was crazy. I don't know if it's moving the right amount. Right, because I don't have any frame of reference for this whatsoever. But the fact that I could just tap it with a smaller hammer than I was using before, and it squished, and it moved, <laughs> and it bent. And I was like, oh, now I see. You know? <laughs> That's great. It was just like, uh, <clears throat> just kind of like, I don't know. Sense like, of I got discovery. it. A really feel-good moment. Yeah. A really yeah, good place cool. to get information about all that is go to YouTube. It has all really what? good information on Say Wait, that again. What's it called? <laughs> Blue tube? <Bluetube. laughs> what is the thing? No, that's great. And then also when you're forging, cover the front of your forge. I don't I haven't seen mm -hmm. it up close, but if you have a big window, you want like if you're gonna put, you know, a rod that's say one inch in diameter in there, you want to make a barn doors with your bricks. So the all yeah. the heat goes back inside. And that'll So when I was designing it, I did higher. it so that one I, I took two bricks that had to be cut in half. Um, to fill in a gap. And I took the offcuts from those those other two halves are the barn doors, right? They're to be set in front of the, the opening. And that did help. That made a big difference there as well. But I do think the whole thing, uh, for only being a one burner forge, it's too deep. Like it just doesn't have enough, it doesn't produce enough heat to fill that volume. So I need to, I'll probably end up adding another burner rather than making it smaller. Because I think it'd be more useful to have one that was a little bit bigger than one that was a little smaller. But um, so I think adding a second burner is probably where I'll go, but, I, but the burner that I have just making that small change, you know, like I said, it didn't take much time. I should have done it in the first place, but that, uh, that made a really big difference. And so we had to go back and like, once I, I did that off camera to test it out and it was so much better that then we shot another segment that was like, okay, I wasn't happy with the first thing. This is what I did. Even though I'm not showing you that I'm doing it, this was the change I made. And here's what it's going to look like. And I just, before that, I didn't feel confident about the video. Like it was, 
Like we built the forge, we built the burner. I knew technically it was right. It just didn't, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. And I just kind of felt weird about it. And so doing that little bit of extra work, like I walked away from the video going like, it's not, you know, it's not a professional forge. Everybody else who does blacksmithing will probably kind of be like, eh, it's not going to be hot enough, but it feels better. It feels like it's a base level usable thing, you know? Um, it's great. It's, it, it won't do everything I need, but it's, I have a forge now. So the most cool. important part is they began the learning and the exploration and that's just going to keep moving. So. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. Now I got to get it out to the farm because it produces so much heat, uh, that I don't want to use it at my house. <laughs> I want it to go somewhere else in a big open space. So, but that's what I've been up to that and falling asleep on hammocks. <laughs> um, you had kind of a topic. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. Really? So last week I was editing my, my video, my channel trailer. And I realized half of my shop is Sanders. I have a yeah. lot of Sanders and I don't show them on camera very much because sanding is boring. And I realized I spend a lot of money on sanding so I don't have to sand. Is And so I thought maybe there's a topic in there. Of like, do you spend, what tools do you like to invest in so you can do less of that to focus more on what's important to you? Obviously, yeah. obviously for me, it's sanding. Yeah. Planers are really nice because people like, you know, when you do fine woodworking, people like showing off all their fancy planes, hand planes, and that's really nice. But you know what's nicer? Just passing it across a joiner. <laughs> yeah. Well, and moving on so. to the next step. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice and it's sexy to be like, when you're edging a board, but when you have a lot to do. Having a joiner really saves time and, and in a lot of cases can be a little bit more accurate. You know, it all depends on who's actually using the hand plane or the, the jack plane or the, the joiner plane. But I'm really happy that I have my big giant joiner when I get my rough cut boards because I could surface one side that's at least smooth, then pass it through the surface planer, then flip it back over and redo that side. Because my, my joiner is very old and it has two blades that, that whack the wood probably slower than it should. So it leaves like repetitive gouges and that those gouges the 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 distance of those gouges really depends on how fast i push it through so if i'm pushing it slow they're closer together if i push it fast they're further apart i do need a helical head on that but i priced them out and they're thousands of dollars for the right appropriate size and one day i will invest in that but until then i use it as, as the process of flattening so that I can go to the surface planer and then I'll surface plan and flip. So I do both sides then. So it gets me, gets me in the ballpark. It doesn't get me perfect, but it is a great time saver. So I'm happy about that. Or, or my big new, my big new sander, sketch. I always forget what it's called. The sketch sander, a surface sander, but no stroke sander. That's stroke sander. A stroke sander is basically a, a huge belt sander. The belt is probably like the there's wheels in space. There's a wheel all the way on the right and a wheel all the way on the left. They're about 10 feet apart. So the belt is probably about 24 feet. The belt is about eight inches wide and it's called a stroke sander. And you put it, you put a tabletop underneath it and it's, you have like a pressure pad. So you have a table, you put your, your, your tabletop, for instance, if you're working on a tabletop, you put your tabletop down and then you pass it underneath the belt and you put a little. Bob's making all kinds of eye gestures. I don't think he's ever heard of a stroke sander. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never heard of this. I'm looking it up. Oh yeah, I've used it already in like three or four oh. videos. Yeah, I got a stroke sander about a month, two months ago. A fan of mine, uh, he, he he sent me a message and said, "Would you want a stroke sander?" I said, "Yes." I said, "Yes." So we made a quick, fast deal, and that has been amazing. As soon as it showed up, I immediately began to use it. I used it in the. In the cohort video for we get this rough cut lumber and we spray paint it black and then you sand it so the crevices of the saw blade marks look old. And then you put a little bit of like polyurethane on it, it makes it look old. So that's one trick, but just sanding any tabletop is just so amazing. So uh, I think it's like a hundred. You know, and uh, and when you think about it like this, the the belts last a long time. I haven't, I only have two belts with it, but the belts last a long time because when you think about using a small piece of sandpaper, like a five inch sanding disc, 
and you got to sand the whole tabletop. And then imagine if you had 600 five-inch sanding discs and you had to sand that same table. The wear and tear gets spread out across all those different sanding discs. So having that 24-foot belt, it lasts a lot longer because it's not really taking the wear and tear of one little piece of the belt. So the wear and tear is spread out over time and space. So the belts last a long time. So, it seemed, I'm, I've never seen this tool before, and I'm looking at them now, <laughs> and it seems like that would be a fairly easy tool to DIY and make as big as you wanted it to make. You could. like to have. Yeah, and you can get the belts, you can get the belts made to order. I, uh, Klingsport wrote me a note. They're like, when you're ready, just let us know. We'll make whatever you want. Huh. Klingsport. Klingsport. Yeah, they're, they're, they've sent me stuff. Klingsport. Yeah, I'm just, I said that name wrong. But yeah, they... Um, <clears throat> It's it's an amazing tool. And when I recently bought a bandsaw at the at an auction in Kentucky, and the guys from First Build went down there and got it for me, but I, I felt bad because they said we went and looked at the auction and they're like, Oh, if you buy if you win this on the auction, we'll pick it up for you. And then when I called them I'm like, guys, I actually want it. Like how seriously like uh he's joking around. He goes, No, because actually one of the guys here, uh, he ended up one of the guys in the in the in the team at First Build bought a stroke sander from the same auction. And the one he bought is from like the turn of the century. So it's got these big cast iron stations left and right. And then the table's in the middle. And it's basically a giant belt sander that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at one of those right now where it's not a single unit. It's like the two sides are separate cast iron bases Yep. that are heavy enough to like stay in place. I see Bob's going to make his DIY one now. <laughs> I don't know where I would put it. These things are kind of big. That's really cool, though. Huh, and I can see why how that would save a huge amount of time on like a big tabletop. Yeah, or you know. So I always wanted you, you guys have the sander where you it's kind of like a, a surface planer where you could pass it through. It's got like an open side. Mm-hmm. What is that called? Drum sander. Drum sander. I always wanted a drum sander, and I'll still find if I could find a good cheap one. Somebody sent me a drum sander that was like the size of a Mack truck. Like, oh, you can. This is free. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that kind of drum sander, but. I want. I would like a drum sander eventually, but this basically takes the place of that for me because it. it I can sand a big, nice piece of wood with selective focus where I want to sand it, and it works really nice. So that is my huge time saver. It was. I paid about twelve hundred dollars for it, and I, I paid the gentleman who gave it to me to deliver it. So it was. You know, the amount of time I've saved already on it definitely paid for itself. But it takes a huge footprint, and if I didn't have that warehouse, I wouldn't have been able to take it. It takes up like a eight by fifteen foot footprint, and we ended up going into this section of the warehouse, which my landlord said I could use, but we never went in there because it's a total disaster. There's leaks in the roof and everything, so we put it under a section where there's no leaks in the roof. So we're gonna we plan on going in there and cleaning up. Hmm. I agree with yeah, you about really the cool. joiner as well. I would say half the videos on my channel are when I didn't have a joiner and you can, you can get by with one. Um, you can do some things at the table saw or some things at the planer, or you can have your, wherever you buy your wood, um, do that surfacing for you. But when I got one, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a huge time saver. I can quickly go over the joiner and, face this board or, or this edge and yeah totally agree on that it's not one of those tools that are absolutely necessary in woodworking but when you have it it's a huge time saver and again it takes up a huge footprint in the shop it's like where do you put this thing because like my bed is i don't know 48 inches long or whatever so it's it's a big space suck yeah i think for me um the thing I don't I don't know that I have like you have a bunch of sanders I don't know that I have duplicates of a certain type of tool but I have a duplicate of a lot of tools so and I've talked about redundancy before like I think that's just a huge time saver to have extra batteries for cameras we always have one on the you know for every camera that we have and every light that we have and whatever we always have an extra battery on the charger so you can immediately just swap them out same thing for battery powered tools. I buy extra batteries so that there's a duplicate on the charger at all time. But like getting battery powered tools, the nicer end of battery powered tools, they're not cheap, but I found that having a battery powered circular saw saves so much time 
rather than like having to like pull out the other one with the cord and make sure there's an extension cord and make sure you don't cut through the cord where you're putting the thing. And, um, so having, you know, and I didn't get rid of my corded one. In fact, I put, um, the plate on it that goes with like the track saw type deal that I have. And that saves time, just not having to take that plate on and off. So I've got a battery-powered one that I use for just regular cuts. I've got the one with the plate for anything that's going to use the track or the, um, I don't know what you call it, the offset thing where you can cut a strip um, using the outside edge of the wood. And so I think, you know, redundancy like that, if you're really trying to save time, having multiple versions of the same tool set up for different jobs... That's a big deal. Saves a huge amount of time. I have about four or five battery-operated grinders from four or five different companies, so it's a little annoying because we're always juggling. juggling. They've been sent to me, obviously. They, so I have various batteries for various tools, but having battery-operated grinders available is a huge time saver because I get this material in this next couple of videos I'm working on. The material comes 24 feet. I'm making a steel railing like you'd see outside like a cemetery. I'm making like a steel fence. I'm making an 11-foot section of fence for a, a client's yard. And the material comes 24 feet, and I processed all that material right in the driveway where the truck drops it off. And to drag a cord out there, but to have a couple of different grinders with cutoff wheels on them, it's amazing. And DeWalt makes a really good one. Um, I don't I don't work for DeWalt. I haven't worked for them in more than a year. A lot of people have this misconception that I'm like the DeWalt boy, but I don't talk to anybody there. They don't answer my emails. They don't talk to me ever again. I don't know what happened, but I don't talk to DeWalt at all. But the DeWalt 60 volt flex volt is it happens to be a really good tool. And they sent me one and I use it constantly and it's it's held up. And a couple of weeks ago when we knew we were having the blacksmith class, I went to go buy two more at Home Depot and they didn't have them on stock. But I, I was ready to go spend $500 on two more of them just because they're that good of a tool. And just to, to always have one here, because now we have the big barn and the big shop. So it's like, oh, well, let's cut metal here. Oh, and then we have to literally get in the car and go get it because me or Brett forgot to grab it or vice versa. So having those battery-operated tools that are grinders and drill and drivers. I have like 10 drill driver sets, half of which I paid for, the other half of which I got through you know, endorsements with DeWalt or whoever, but they're all the DeWalt brands. And I have, like, we have, like, sometimes, remember I joked once about, I think it was triangles or squares? Like, every once in a while, all the little drill drivers will be hanging out in the corner. Like, nobody knows how they all got there. And then after a few minutes, they're <laughs> all gone and dispersed, and I can only find a drill. So I'm putting, like, a drill <laughs> tip in a drill, like a screw gun tip in a drill because I can't find any of the impact drivers. And then out of nowhere, like, all impact drivers are sitting on the platen from one of my printing presses. I don't know how it happens. These things, like move and collect through the shop and nobody is responsible for picking them up and replacing them down. They move on their own. So I have, I, I can't I even tell you how many sets I have. I probably have like eight drill driver sets. So I have eight impact drivers and eight drills of various voltages and sizes. And Yeah, I think like, I don't, I've never had a deal with DeWalt either. I just happen to enjoy DeWalt tools. I think they've never had any problems with them. So I just continue to buy them. Um, but one thing that DeWalt does have uh, that I think is a really good deal. You can buy the, I have one of the cordless grinders, which is really handy in certain situations, but the batteries don't last forever. But since I do most of my metalworking in kind of a small area, having corded ones is fine for me, but you can buy, at least at Lowe's, you can buy a two pack of corded grinders for like 99 bucks, I think, or maybe even 79 bucks, but you get two of them. And that was totally worth it. I bought, I had one, <clears throat> then I saw the two pack. And so I bought the two pack and now I have a place on my wall where I have three grinders hung up next to each other. One with a flap disc, one with a cutoff wheel and one with a grinding wheel. That right there has saved so much time because you have to do all three of those things in pretty much every project. And so just being able to put one down and pick up the next to do the next job is huge. Obviously, if you can't afford three of them, you can switch out the disc. But that's one of those situations where that's a hundred bucks to have a huge time savings right there on every project you do in that area from then on. My brother, my brother's time saving thing. My brother is totally inefficient. Like in his the way he decides to spend money is just unbelievably inaccurate, and I always tell him that. But he always goes to Harbor Freight and he buys 
five sanders and he buys five angle grinders because they're so cheap. So I don't know how cheap they really are because I don't buy them. But if you were going to buy like four or five angle grinders, get them from Harbor Freight and you know they'll last you a certain period of time. Don't have any high expectations. But my brother buys the sanders from the belt sanders. I think the three by 21s from Harbor Freight, he buys them to have like five different ones. So he'll have one with 100 grit, one with 80 grit, one with 220 grit because he makes this rustic furniture. And he, he he has belt sanders laying around his shop like dead animals. Like when they, they burn out, he just throws them on the side of the floor. And, you know, the cords are all look like they've all been driven over and caught up inside of the belt. <laughs> the worst. And anyway, so Harbor Freight is a good place to go. I know there's people out there punching their computers because yeah. I said Harbor Freight. But if you're going to have multiples of something, it's not a bad deal. Well, it's not. And if you think about it, you know, if you get... Imagine you had five sanders from Harbor Freight. They all have different grid on them. None of those are getting full-time use. Right, right. right. So they're not going to last forever, but each one is getting five minutes of use before you move to the next sander. It's like the concept (laughs) of the five-inch sanding disc. You know, if you're going to use that for everything, it's going to wear out quick. But if you have a 100 of them, they're going to all take a little bit of wear over time. The two oldest tools in my shop are my drum sander or my spindle sander and my disc sander. And they're both Harbor Freight tools. They have not died on me yet. And they work absolutely great. And they're, if one of them dies, I'm going right back to Harbor Freight to replace it with the Harbor Freight one, just because I've been so happy with it. So sometimes you get lucky and, and sometimes the, maybe the quality control isn't, isn't there, but it's way cheaper than getting a big name brand tool. Well, and, and those two tools in particular are not things that you use super heavily, I would imagine, right? Right, right, right. Maybe yeah. a couple minutes a week, if that. Yeah, so, I mean, the lifetime of a tool, it, you know, it really depends on how much you're using it. I mean, something like that could, that you may never have to replace either one of those things at the current rate that you're using them. If you use them all day, every day, that's probably not the wisest <laughs> choice for tool, but that's a good point. It depends on what you're doing with them, you know. I mean, like I would not buy personally. I would not spend my money on a table saw from Harbor Freight. I don't even know if they sell table saws, but I wouldn't do that because it is a central thing that is used on absolutely every project that we do, right? But grinders, sanders, stuff like that. I just know, bought I mean, while we're on the phone. I swear to God, while we're on Skype, I just bought two grinders <laughs> from Amazon because I keep forgetting <laughs> to do it. I just bought two That's 60 amazing. volt flex volt grinders from Amazon. The, they're the tool only for $163. And at, 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 Oh wow. At Home Depot or Lowe's, they were like, like almost 200 bucks, but that must come with the battery and the charger. So I just, cause I have, I have 15 60 volt batteries. So I didn't, I didn't need to get them with wow. the batteries. So anyway, sometimes it's not about saving time, but it's a, uh, it's the barrier. So I recently, I recently replaced my track saw that every time I got it out, I would have to get the cord out, pl- find a place to plug it in, hook it up to the dust collector, and then lay everything out. And it felt like such a chore that I found myself, I would rather just take this to the table saw and, ho- you know, this massive sheet goods of plywood. Um, I would rather hurt myself at the table saw than get out the track saw, which was inconvenient. So I replaced that with a cordless one and it's got a bag. So now all I gotta do is just get it out and I can use it. It's the more expensive option, but it it removes that barrier. And then the same thing with the table saw making box joints. I got one of those, uh, Incra iBox jigs or whatever. Yeah. And every time I went to use it, I would have to go watch the video to learn how to set it up because I couldn't <laughs> remember. I use it once a year and I couldn't remember how to set it up. Now I have a jig that I've made. It's already set up. I'm going, I'm using the cheaper option because I don't have to think about it every time. The easiest way to make box joints? Laser. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a laser that's big enough to put the... the One word, laser. No, I've been playing around. Uh, You guys might see my stories last night. I'm making... Now Now that I can... You go to InCase. That's the name of... No, not InCase. is that place that makes stuff for phones. Uh, MakerCase is a website. I think it's MakerCase, right? Yeah. And you can go on there, put your length, width, height, decide how many finger joints you want, open box, close box, and you could... They'll give you the PDF file. You can then bring into your laser or CNC machine and create a finger-jointed box. You can't do like a fine little, you know, box to, to 
put like a pair of earrings in. You can't do like a blade width type of box, probably on the laser. Maybe you can. It all depends on the material and the cutter. But anyway, you could uh, you could make really beautiful box joints. And I make these boxes for all my little machining parts and my processes. Like for instance, when I'm making a lot of ice picks, I like to have the ones that have the process done to them in one box and the one that needs to have the process done in another box. So it kind of helps me. I take it out of this box, do the process, put it in that box. So we're always, Brett and I always have all these little job boxes is what I call them. And they're great because I have a little system now. So I just Mm -hmm. go right in. Like the other night I realized, this was last night, I realized I have a three by six, if you're looking at the footprint of the box. So I made a three by 12 to hold the ice picks. So now if I put them in a drawer, two six inch ones fit perfectly next to one six, one 12 inch one. So time saver, get a laser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It is amazing Um, how fast it can cut. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the material. I mean, so what are like from the laser that you have, I know you just got a new one. What, what's the maximum material size that you can put in there and cut? I could put it. That's a big thing. You know, getting a cheap laser doesn't necessarily mean that you could make like a reasonably sized box. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, well, we, I had the muse, which I think is a, is like a 12 by 18 inch bed. We gave it, I, I brought it over to Taylor studio. So now she's engraving leather with it, which she just did a little Instagram story on. So I, I yeah. So now I have the full, full spectrum brought over the, the three by four foot 90 watt laser. Oh, by the way, did we, we talked about the laser bandsaw, right? Did we talk about that? <laughs> Years ago, right? No, but I, I mean, don't think we, we actually made talked it. about you doing it. We though. made it last yeah. week. The guys that, the, well, Wait, what? when we talked last week, we were setting it up. Now yeah. we actually have it and it works. Dave almost spit his It's out. crazy. I saw you doing that and I, could not believe it. It was actually I happening. can't completely oh, forgot man. about it. I just totally slipped my mind. That's what I worked on in the beginning of last week. What? That's what I did. I did not see this. <laughs> completely forgot. Oh, man. Yeah, Walker from Full Spectrum. Okay. Walker well, and Tim came over and they, they brought... Go ahead, Dave. Bob, what were you going to say? No. Well, I was going to say, give them the backstory. Right. In case somebody missed that episode, yeah. year, whatever that... Yeah. How long, long that goes uh, out uh, his... I, I know him. His name has escaped me. What's William's full name? William Osmond. William Osmond was on the podcast uh, two years ago, a year and a half ago. And he was talking about his laser, all his, like, he's doing all these crazy laser things. So jokingly, I said, what about a laser bandsaw? So we talked a little bit about maybe doing it. Then his, he had the fire and everything and his life went left. And I never followed up. And then when I, when we were all together at Maker Fair in, in the in the spring, I saw the guys from Full Spectrum. We were talking. I was like, hey, guys, you want to make a laser bandsaw? And Walker was like all over it. He's like, yeah, I want to do that. How do we do it? Let's do it. And that like later that day, he sent me drawings to my text message saying, let's do it. I know exactly what we could do. I know the laser we'll use. And so time went on and they said, hey, we want to we want to outfit your shop with a better laser so you could represent the company. And they sent me over this huge, crazy 90 watt laser with two tubes. So inside of it, it comes packed with the tube outside of where it's meant to live inside the machine. So I opened the machine up and there were two tubes in there. So he sent me one for the machine to connect to the CNC machine and one that we could zip tie to a bandsaw. And so Walker set it all up and put the bare minimum. There's no computer involved. So it's every time you turn on the switch, it's at 100 percent. And it's a bit janky. You you completely control where you're cutting. So I have this laser tube zip tied to my 1925 bandsaw. (laughs) We took the blade off. And uh, on the other podcast, the Fitz All podcast, the other night we taped an episode. And while we, I was picking on Andrew because he's trying to sell this crazy old jigsaw that nobody would want. And I told him why nobody wants a jigsaw because they're, they're horrible to use. And uh, I said, don't expect to sell it. And by the end of the conversation, he goes, how about I send it to you and you connect that laser to it? I was like, perfect. It was so funny. It was completely like unforeseen that that's where this conversation would go. So he's going to send me this like 1920 Oliver jigsaw, which is completely a useless tool. And we're going to connect the laser to it with like a focus, like a, like a telescope focusing rack and pinion on it. And so that's going to be like the final. So when the guys from full spectrum were here, Walker and Tim, they set this up just so that we can kind of approve a concept. And so I don't intend on dedicating my my crazy cool antique bandsaw to the band to the to the laser bandsaw concept. Why not? <laughs> no, Holy no, crap, man, think about it. You, oh no, no, I will when I get that 
when I get that new frame from 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 Andrew, I'm going to dedicate. It's going to be full on. We're going to machine parts for it and everything. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to so be crazy. fully dedicated because that that jigsaw, that antique jigsaw, is just like it's like trying to cut a piece of wood with a jackhammer. It's such, that that was the I was razzing him about. Like, don't even think anybody's going to want that because it's like completely disruptive to try and use like a 1920 <laughs> jigsaw to cut anything delicate. So anyway, so that's the story. But the laser can cut the bed of the the. I got the. Uh, uh, I think it's the FS forty eight full spectrum forty eight. It will cut. It's that pass through, so you could stick a full sheet of whatever. It cuts quarter inch acrylic, amazing, like beautiful cuts. It can cut up to about a half inch, but you really got it. You might have to make two passes, half inch plywood. You might have to make two passes. We cut a half inch MDF, but you might have to make two passes. Um, but I tell you, it's just, it's been amazing. Like we got a bunch of hammers for the blacksmith class and I just laser etched the logo in every one of the handles. Cause by the end of any blacksmith class, it's like, imagine like 50 people get together and throw all their tools in a room and go, okay, it's time to clean up. Who's is this? Who's is this? Who's is this? At the end of every blacksmith class, everybody brings their own tools and leaves tools and whose pliers are these? It's like having a play date with like seven. Whose tape measure is this? It's really, it's exactly what it's like because the blacksmith shop just turns into like a blender of everybody's personal objects. And then at the end of everybody leaving, it's like, there's like a beautiful marker that belongs to somebody. There's a hammer. The other day I used a hammer on camera and, and, and Mark goes, that's my hammer. I left it. I didn't realize I left it. So um, anyway, so I laser etched the handle of, we bought 14 new blacksmith hammers just to have for the class. I laser etched all the handles. So I am going to laser etch everything in my life now that I have this fully dedicated machine that's going to be fully set up all the time. When I had the little machine in here, I would always pile stuff on it. And when I need it, I just pile stuff on the floor. It used to be in this room. Now it's in the workshop. It's going to be fully available to be used every day. And I will use it every day. I keep going out there to laser etch stuff. I don't even know why I need to laser etch. I'm like, I just want to go play with the machine. That's so fun. I'm out there. I'm making things on the website. I'm making finger jointed boxes and stuff. So, I, and I say it wholeheartedly and I mean it. And I'm being a little bit of a pitch man now. If you want to like change careers, go buy a $15,000 big bed laser and start a career making things on the laser. You can totally, totally start a business with a laser with that capacity. I think that's like uh, Inventable or um, yeah, Inventables with their CNCs. I mean, that's they're trying to empower you to start your own business and, and mm-hmm. career with with that. So a CNC or a laser, I say it all the time. You want to start a business, get an Instagram account and get a get a machine. <laughs> Take all your credit cards that have a little bit of money left on them, max them out, buy a machine, and then pay off your debt. Jimmy's advice is not the advice of everybody <laughs> yeah. on the podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Take um, whatever yeah, money you got left, for that stop one. eating, and then... Yeah. I have cut <laughs> half-inch thick walnut on my laser, and I've got the 45-watt laser, and it took two or three passes, yep. but you get you get a lot of burning. And yeah. the way the laser works is you, you focus it on the top of the material that you're cutting, and... On that second or third pass, by the time it gets Lower. to the bottom, it's not it's not a, a, a perpendicular cut because it kind of spreads as it goes. Well, a tip somebody taught me once: if you're going to laser cut a, a thick material, you you laser the the top maybe once, maybe twice, then lower the focus so it'll cut deeper into uh, the material. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you just can't move anything between those cuts. Yeah, you can't shift. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys got anything else on this? We're like 53 minutes in. Yeah, so. time saving. Just buy multiples of whatever it is you need. If you have to change the belt or the bit or the the thing, just like I even have three drill presses because I have one set up with a wire wheel sometimes if I need it. But if I'm doing multiple processes, you're going to you have one with a faucet bit, one with a smaller bit. How many bandsaws? Oh, I have probably, I got to do it. I haven't done like a hundred thousand, you know, thank you video yet in a while, probably since half a million or 400,000, you know, one, 1.4. Anyway, I'm going to do a bandsaw video uh, talking about all the various bandsaws I have now that I have a laser bandsaw. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Go to full spectrum laser Instagram. You could see there. Wingamajing. He did a little video of, them putting it together but i'm going to do a proper video when i get that new c-frame machine and i'm gonna that's going to be like a full-on build with like this was us just like zip tying stuff together it really wasn't enough substance to turn into a full video 
So yeah. a lot of, a lot of awesome. Instagram content. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you're going to recommend. Uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon, especially our top patrons, Jenny and Davis, Modern DIY, You Can Make This Too, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Maker in Training, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, and Corey Ward. But everybody that helps us out at any level gets the after show, which is another kind of a separate podcast. It's a separate RSS feed. You put it in separately to your podcast player, and it's, you know, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of us talking about other stuff after this. Sometimes mm-hmm. Jimmy has pants on. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you've had a lot, you've had pants on a lot lately, which is really good. Thank you. <laughs> so, if you want that, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Or don't. Or don't. What Either else? Way. Or don't. Whatever. Uh-huh. Cool. What you got? Oh my god! David. I gotta fix something. Um, this. Yeah, I gave you time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take it. My video is uh, the pencil company Faber Castell. Is that how you say their name? They put out a video back last December on how we make pencils. I don't know how I missed this. I'm not sure why YouTube didn't recommend this video to me a year ago. But this is a super cool video on their process of making pencils from making the leads and the color leads to the pencil cutting to the painting and everything and it's a very uh it's very movie like it's uh it's got that vimeo cinematic feel to it and it's just a super (laughs) cool video oh cool you know what uh I'm going to shout out. I know I probably have done this already, but I'm just going to give it another in, in for, I'm going to enforce a little PR. Uh, my, my leather tool bag video is on the Weaver Leather channel, and I'm going to be making more videos for Weaver Leather. So if you guys want to go see that stuff. And then I just booked a date, I think November 22nd, the weekend of November 22nd. I'm going to go out to Weaver Leather and go see a tour of their place. And we're going to do like a like a public thing at, at a local hardware store, which is... Uh, Dave, do you happen to know what is like the hugest, biggest, oldest hardware store in Ohio? That's what this near Weaver Leather. That rings a bell. I can't. I wish I knew the name. They're gonna send me like a full on like graphic that I could post on Instagram of like where, when, how, what, who. But anyway, so uh, November twenty second, I'm gonna go out to Ohio and uh, I'm gonna go to Weaver Leather and blah 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 appearance blah 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 other YouTubers blah 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 blah. Hmm. Yeah, I might have to come yeah. by and say hello. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. near blah blah blah. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Ohio's mid. Mid-state, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll buy there. Uh, Jimmy. I don't know if this is what they're referring to, but there's a place called Kime Lumber. And it's 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 a massive, massive lumber store. And they sell, um, but they also sell like woodworking tools. And then like, every table saw you can imagine is out on display for you to play with. It's just this huge, beautiful building and if you're ever in, I think it's in Charm, Ohio. I could be wrong. But if you're ever in that area, go check out Kime Lumber just because you'll be in awe as soon as you walk into the door. It's just, just it's like, it's like going to a Target store, but for woodworkers. Like, it's so nice in, inside there and everything is on display. So you actually get to touch and feel the tools and everything. And they have a, a massive exotic lumber like I have no affiliation with them, but every time I'm in that area, I'm like, I have to stop by Kime because it's so cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, well, mine is a little documentary that Anthony found. We were uh, we recently got a new camera and we've upgraded some stuff. and And through looking at examples of this camera being used, he found this video called Argon, and it's a it's a little documentary about making uh actually watched it with a sound off so i don't have all the context i probably should have (laughs) but um it's about making neon but it's really pretty and it shows them uh heating and bending neon tube glass tube for neon and argon lights and it's just it's really pretty because of the um because of the visuals, but also just seeing some of the process of how this stuff is made and seeing some cool examples of signs and everything. So thought you guys might dig it. So I don't want to wait until Friday to watch that video. Can you post a link to that in our little chat? I absolutely can. All right. Yeah. I I used to work at a company where we did neon and I was just observing. They didn't really teach me how to do any of the glass, 
But it was fun to watch. It was. I wasn't when I was in high school. There were specialists that would sit there and do the neon. Neon is like a definitely a dying art. If you guys want to specialize in yeah. anything, learn how to do neon. Hmm. Quit your job, go into debt, and learn how to do neon. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Jimmy, Get a CNC neon bender. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, you guys got anything else for this week? <laughs> I think I'm good. I love, I love spending money and quitting my job and going into debt. Yeah. I love it. There you go. That's what I love this week. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time. Later. Later.